Welcome to Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to Right on Track. I am thrilled because today I have Steve Brown joining me on the show. Hi, Steve. Hi, Demi. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm thrilled to have you. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I cannot wait to get into our chat today. It's going to be fantastic. We have so much to cover. But before we dive into everything, can you please share with the listeners a little about yourself and how you got started in music? Well, we're talking uh, quite a few years ago. <laughs> I, uh, let's just go with numbers. Okay, so I, how old am I? <laughs> There's a thing, how old am I? I'm, I'm mid-50s. I'm a mature, mature student of life. And um, I first kind of found music when I was eight. Um, my brother, who's 10 years older, he had a 12-string guitar. And me being eight-year-old, I was, wow, just what is this? So my mum and dad got me a little guitar of my own that Christmas, and I've rarely put it down. So we are going back uh, almost 50 years. So um, music's always been a part of my life. My dad um, played the accordion, which is quite a thing here in Scotland. So, um, uh, and he was always playing sort of traditional Scottish music around the house. So that... Um, that kind of, you know, got into me via osmosis from from day one. Um, and uh, yeah, and then just sort of pottering about. I never really took any official lessons. Um, my mum, uh, my poor mum, she did send me to piano lessons for a few weeks, but seemingly I was too nervous about making mistakes. So I was, it was really quite uh, a, a, an overwhelming experience for me. So I only lasted about six weeks. Um, but my mum and dad, they bought a little a little piano and an organ for the house. So I was always pottering about uh, in the house on the, on, the, on the guitar. And then school, high school came along and that's when bands started, you know, and we just joined, formed a couple of bands and we started writing our own songs. And, um, and to cut a long story short, here I am now, almost 50 years later, and I've been fortunate, so hardworking enough to have music uh, pay my bills for the last 30 years. So it all started with my brother's 12-string guitar. That is fantastic. So you've been in the industry for quite a while, if you said that you've been paying your bills through music for 30 years. So what is your perspective on how the industry has evolved since when you started to how it is today? I'll, I'll clarify exactly what I do, what has paid the bills. It's... um. It, it could come across as quite glamorous, but in reality, I'm basically a wedding singer. <laughs> That's what pays the bills, as well as songwriter, um, getting into the world of sync during during lockdown and uh, producing and recording for other songwriters. Um, so I'm very much an indie uh, musician, helping out other indie musicians, um, and but it's mainly playing live locally. Um, in, in covered bands, basically, this, this has uh, been my main income um, for so long. And uh, 
the industry from that point of view has been fairly steady over the last 30 odd years. I've just basically at different stages opened my eyes to new opportunities. Um, you know, we started off playing original music. So knocking doors, and it still is quite difficult as an indie artist playing original music. You can get gigs, but it's getting gigs that, that you know, will give you half decent money. You know, until you're established, you can't really command much of a fee. So this is, I'm now going back to about 91. Just before I went professional, um, the band I was in then is a rock band called Seeing Red. And we, basically myself and the singer, uh, Angie Townsend, who sadly is no longer with us, we um, we ended up just playing the pubs and clubs as a duo, playing covers, and the money from those gigs financed the full band, and we brought out a self-released debut album, and that kind of financed the full band. Whilst doing that, I had the light bulb moment, thinking I could actually be doing these two, three gigs a week, and they would pay my bills. So in 1993, July the 3rd, I do believe, um, is my official um, start date as a professional musician. And uh, so the covers gigs have always been there. And then, as I say, as time went on, I'd realise, um, hold on, weddings, they pay the best money, you know. And it's, I know people think, oh, is there a wedding tax? You know, the minute you say wedding and before anything, then prices double or quadruple or whatever. But there is a lot more work involved, a lot more marketing involved. So I'm afraid, yes, anything to do with weddings does usually cost a bit more. Um, and the longer evenings for us to play as well, all that sort of thing, you know. So um, as as my decades have moved on, I've, I've found more sort of lucrative channels for, for playing covers live. But then that's also that kind of side of things takes care of itself. So that's given me more free time, so to speak, to pursue my other musical interests, which are songwriting and uh, playing in more obscure um, covers and tribute bands. So um, from my point of view, the industry hasn't really changed um, from playing a covers, you know, and covers bands point of view. Um, I've just basically opened my eyes to different avenues. Uh, and I'm now doing solo gigs as well. <laughs> so yeah, there's many, many strings to playing covers, basically. That's so interesting. I think you're the very first person I've spoken to that plays weddings. I think that's awesome. And there's always going to be weddings to play at. I don't think that's going out of style. Um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's really interesting hearing your perspective. Um, so before we dive deeper into our chat, I definitely want to get our quote for this episode, which is by Johnny Cash. So can you read that? Yes, this is a wonderful quote. You build on failure. Use it as a stepping stone and close the door on the past. Don't try to forget the mistakes but don't dwell on it. Johnny Cash. So why did you select this one? Well, to be honest, from the three, it was my favourite. The other two I didn't quite relate to as much. Um, this one, um, because it's by Mr Cash himself, you know, he's a very interesting character. And um, it does uh, ring true to me um, in several ways. Um, that's the thing, though. When I look back on what I've done to date... I I don't mean to sound big-headed or whatever, but I can't see myself as, as a failure, so to speak. You know, the fact that, um, okay, failure as in the fact that I haven't made it as an original artist, but then 
you know, failure like success, and more, I, I more say it like success comes in different forms. So ergo, failure would come in different forms as well. But I don't usually look at it as a failure. Um, uh, for example, you know, is success right? I won't say this again, but is success being able to pay the bills, doing something you love? You know, to me, that's success. Um, my recent debut country single. Um, got to number one in the UK iTunes country charts. To me, that's a success. Although I'm still not, I could still be seen as uh, failed at, at being a successful indie artist playing my original songs. So, you know, you can tell I'm struggling to find any failures here. <laughs> I'm just such a person. I can't do it. But I totally get the using it as a stepping stone and closing the door on the past. To me, that says what I say often, you need to be thick-skinned. You need to be able to handle rejection. Uh, so more of a mental health kind of uh, approach, um, especially during lockdown. Um, you know, live musicians and all the crews and everyone involved in the live industry um, were, were suddenly, all of a sudden, just completely out of work, out of income. Um, that was uh, a challenge for everyone. Um, and it did, I mean, I'm sure others as well. It took months just to actually, you know, come round and, well, from, an, from a financial point of view, um, the British and, and, and even the Scottish government on their own as well did take care of us. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. What, you know, um, a few months down the line, at least we had that kind of security. Um, to see us through um, the, the the lockdown, at, which at the time we we weren't sure when it was going to end. Um, so uh, yeah, and using as a stepping stones, closing the door on the past. I see that as being sort of thick skinned and don't try to forget the mistakes. You <laughs> you can't. <laughs> the mistakes are always you know it's it's rare to um, actually forget the mistakes. But I love the last line, the last phrase, don't dwell on it. That is so true. So, um, for example, the rejection side of it, don't dwell on the fact that someone somewhere rejected whatever you were proposing. Just move on. Uh, other doors will open. And, and that certainly happened for me. That's fantastic. I love your perspective on this quote. I think that the really interesting thing is when you think about failure, I think that sometimes the moments that we consider to be failures are major learning lessons. And as musicians, we're always learning and we're always growing. And the only way to succeed is to try. And so if you, if you try and you fail at something or you don't get the results that you want, that's just getting you one step closer to whatever you consider to be success because success means different things to different people. And also, I love how you were thinking about how you succeeded in certain areas of your artistry, but in other areas, maybe not so much. And I think we need to keep in mind as artists and songwriters, musicians, that we're not going to excel at everything. And the only way to truly discover what we are meant to be doing and what we're strongest at is to try and not dwelling on the things that don't go well. This is really difficult for me. I'm, a, I'm like a type A person and I like focus on everything all the time. And yeah. sometimes for me, 
if I truly believe in something and I have really high expectations and I don't meet those expectations, then that really hits me hard. And for a really long time, I get all these doubts and I wonder if I should even be doing this in the first place. And so I think that not dwelling on those mistakes and closing the door on the past like what happened the mistakes you've made and the things you consider to be failures those things are in the past you can't do anything about those anymore and I think just learning from those moments and moving forward is definitely the way to go absolutely and the thing is I mean I've only met you 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. <laughs> but I, I, I think I think we both we both have music in our soul there's yeah. no denying that and and it will always be part of our lives. That's a given. Uh, and I think, and I've exp- I've experienced, if that's always going to be in your head, in your mind, you're going to be doing something with music, about music, for music. Always have an open mind. And things, you might have a goal. You might be very focused on, say you want to be, oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be unrealistic, but say you want to be, you know, a, a chart-topping, but I mean in like billboard chart-topping. And no disrespect to that iTunes UK country chart, um, but um, which my recent single got to number one in. I don't know if I mentioned that, <laughs> but to me, this is that's a small, it's a small, um, a small pond there. But say you do focus on something, always keep an open mind because some of my best opportunities, my best um, uh, successes, if you if, if you will, have come from the side. They've come from you know a place that you weren't actually looking at. You know, you're focusing straight ahead, but if you keep your peripheral open all the time, because some of your best opportunities will come from where you least expect them. And But for me, it's always involved music. So if I have an opportunity in music that, you know, I, you know I'll take it. Uh, and Because um, you never know where it will lead. And, and it, it always leads, to me, if it's music, it will lead, it's, it's good. <laughs> you know, it's all good. I'm like I said earlier. I'm now doing solo gigs um, midweek just for hotels and coach parties in in a local town. Which you know, people might think, oh, as a wedding singer, oh, he's just going out doing this. I love these gigs so much. You know, I'm sitting on a bar stool singing Jim Reeves and Dean Martin to to an elderly audience. You know, it's it's, it's folks that are. In, in their salad years, I think the expression is. Um, but they're all singing along with me to these songs. And it's the, it's a beautiful noise, you know, to hear <laughs> um, these wonderful people just singing these amazing songs back at you. And, and I'm getting paid for it. You know, it's, it's you know, it may sound twee, but that's, I, I love that part of my, my life. I love how you're talking about how some of the best opportunities are the ones that aren't expected. I completely agree. And I think that when you keep an open mind and you allow yourself to receive these opportunities, it definitely leads to more things because you're just going to build your network. You're going to build your resume of things that you've done. And also, if you focus on expanding yourself as a musician and the various things that you do that's just going to give you a wider skill set and make you more diverse and I think somebody who has the capabilities of doing various things definitely has a better shot of being more successful because you're not relying on one thing you're not putting all your musical eggs in a basket if you want to think of it that way there's times where you know um for example 
at this time of year. You know, we're now we're in winter time. Um, uh, weddings, my main income, are are kind of slow. So I use this this sort of downtime, so to speak, um, to go out with my other full band, which is a Rush tribute band, <laughs> the Canadian rock band. You know, so that to me, I, that's my kind of antidote to playing a uh, brown eyed girl four nights a week. I'll go out and play some complicated prog rock. <laughs> to to um, but 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 that band is now at the stage where it's starting to make money as well. So you know what's what started as a fun project. Um, to kind of keep us sane, it's myself and another couple of folk that that play in wedding bands as well. Um, we we do that for fun, but now we've built up a, a following, and uh, we uh, yeah we're 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 bringing in um, bums on seats, as they say. So we'll be going around the country, around the UK, um, playing those dates in the winter. That's fantastic. So I want to get more of your thoughts on how to take a music passion and turn it into a career that helps pay bills. So so many songwriters, artists, musicians have the talent and the skills, but they may struggle on finding those income streams. So what are your thoughts on this? I think it all came from me. I was gigging anyway. You know, going back to the the rock band. Well, I actually started off as a punk band when I was still at high school. Some friends um, just actually heard me playing guitar in my bedroom in my mum and dad's house, and they knocked on the door. Uh, in fact, they weren't friends, they were strangers. And they just said, do you want to join our band? So that was the very first band that I kind of joined and then um, became a punk band. So I always kind of gigged, even like from school age. Um, so you know, that, that in itself may be a hurdle for a lot of people, just actually getting up on stage and playing. But... I was, and I had this conversation just recently with uh, with my Rush bandmates, talking about introvert, outrovert, and they both said that they were introverts. Now I was definitely an outrovert, an extrovert, sorry. And I said, well, funny, I wasn't. You know, as as a youngster, well, we're getting deep now. I had really, really bad acne, so I, I was very quite a, a very quiet kid. And I actually found the guitar as as a that was just my my thing, you know. And even though I was going out and playing live, you know, I'd have long hair. No one could see my face, and I just I was just playing my guitar. So so, but then that developed into me. Well, I can play on stage; it doesn't phase me. Um, so and then, as I mentioned earlier, being in the rock band and then going out and playing gigs, just myself and the singer, and um, playing covers. It was just kind of nothing was you know. I didn't have a plan. It just all kind of happened because I just had realizations like, well, I'm playing live. Okay, well, I might as well play stuff that will bring me in some money. Okay, well, that'll be covers. So, um, but there is a lot to it. I mean, I manage myself and my bands as well. So it's not just getting up and playing. You've got to organize, you've got to get the gigs, you know, so there's all the whole marketing thing and and um, and obviously, you know, getting in all the equipment and knowing how to set it all up and, and um and then interacting with with the audience. So when you actually break it down, there's quite a lot to it. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of naturally fall into it. So I, I would say to anyone that's that's not playing live yet, it, I think it's quite an essential part of being a musician. Even if you're just doing your own music, get yourself to open mic nights. You know, um, bring your music alive. You will learn so much just by playing even if it's your own songs, um, or even just play covers just to get used to playing live. You know, go to a couple of open mics, maybe play a couple of covers, then bring in your own stuff. Um, and you will be amazed at just 
it it it'll do nothing but good for you. You know, you might come away initially thinking about nerves, and you're just not ma- built for it, you know, mentally or whatever. But I think um, there's so much to be learned from performing live, even if it's just a handful of people. That's awesome. I honestly did start playing covers before original music. Like mm-hmm. before I even started releasing music, I did covers on YouTube. And yep. it was very weird because just from doing other artists' songs, I developed my sound. And then when I started to record, I knew more who I was as an artist. And I started doing open mics when I was in college. And then now that I play live, I do covers and originals. But I think also being a classically trained musician and going to school for music, too, I think having that exposure made me more comfortable performing as well. And so I definitely think that any opportunity to get in front of people, whether it be with original music or not, it's just great learning experience for sure. And something else that you kind of said in passing that I want to talk more about is that it's not just about getting on the stage and playing. There's so much that goes into it with the organization and making the connections to get shows and other opportunities and having the right equipment. I will give you a very specific example. So this is more of a songwriting example, but I was speaking to a songwriter who I co-wrote a song with. And it was a really amazing song that I personally thought we should get demoed and try to get it top quality professionally demoed so we can try to pitch it. And I spoke to my producer and um, we got like how much the musicians would cost and the studio would cost and all of that. And this songwriter didn't want to pitch in her half to, you know, get the song produced. And there was another situation where I was going to do a duet with an artist and she didn't have a good quality microphone. And so I was like, yeah, well, that's just going to bring my quality down if you know, you're not doing it on good equipment. And I think that's where the thing comes up with, you can be so talented and you can have the skills to do this, but if you don't put in the effort and you don't put in the quality that you need, then it's just not going to work out because there's so many people trying to do this. Like quality is absolutely key, I think. Yeah, 100% right. You have to invest in yourself and be that that in, in buying, you know, you don't have to get the best, but you have to get good. You have to get good equipment, you know, because um, well, as you know yourself these days, I don't think there are there's such a thing as a demo anymore. You know, everything is is like top notch, um, sound you know production wise. Um, it has to be because people are listening to so much uh, stuff these days, and it's and the, just the quality, just home recording, etc., has come on so much, and you can learn on YouTube how to do it yourself, all that sort of thing. So yeah, the least you can do is is buy half decent equipment and and like you say, if it's a song you really believe in, um, I mean this is actually to, to tie it back into one hit song, which is the name of the, the single that I brought out um, that, that that got into the charts. That that song started uh, two years previously. It was mainly written by uh, a lady in Glasgow called Barbara Cooper. Um, we ended up in the same songwriting group. The song was basically done. Her and uh, um, another songwriter in Idaho called Angela Ezionica, they basically wrote the song. They wrote the whole song. um, Well, let's call it version A of the song. 
Uh, but they did invest in a top production. They paid an Asphalt Studio to um, do a version of it with top session musicians. So they did invest. But then they, they did pitch it to publishers, but it was get, it, it, it didn't get any, any traction anywhere. I'd heard the song. Um, I kind of knew them. I first met them just after all that was kind of happening. Um, and then it kind of laid dormant for a while, but it was always such a great song. We, were, we would do kind of versions of it in our songwriting groups. And um, and then eventually it, it, I just thought, and I asked Barbara, could I do a version of it? You know, would she allow me to? And we had, we made some changes. Um, so it is now, it's like a, it's a three-way songwriting split, but um, not, I get a smaller share, if you want to go into the details. <laughs> um, that's another topic we can talk about, you know, songwriters and how, how splits are done th these days, because it's no longer like the Nashville split you know, like if it's two people in the room, it's 50-50. If it's three, it's three ways. A, a lot of songs, a lot of hits these days have three and more songwriters per song because people, will, you know, was it uh, Ralph Murphy, rest in peace? One of his quotes is, hits aren't written, they're rewritten. And it's, it's. I'm not saying Barbara's original song wasn't a hit, it was, but tweaks had to be made to make it more radio friendly. Um she put in a couple of naughty words. There we go. I said it. <laughs> so I, I advise her. So she she actually changed the lyrics herself. But this is where I'm what I'm saying about you know more songwriters get involved because something might need fine tune just down the line slightly. And then if producers and perhaps even an artist that gets involved may make changes, and that's what makes the song presentable. And so yeah, my point being, they invested in the original production. It didn't go anywhere for a while, but then it was that original production was found and worked on some more. It was tweaked. So their original investment was still worth it, even though it it may still find success. Um, you know, someone else may pick it up um, after the little bit of success I've had with it. Um, you never know if a major artist might hear it and might pick it up. But going back to the original point, it is always worthwhile investing in any song that you really believe in. Yeah, for sure. And I think honestly, like the overall point here is that if you want any kind of career in music, you need to invest in whatever area, whatever area that is. Like if you get the opportunity to play a show and you don't have a good microphone and nobody can hear you because your amp isn't good, you're probably not going to get asked to play there again because it's all about like really good first impressions. So I think always putting your best foot forward is really, really important. Absolutely. Can I just jump on the mic thing as well? I, I would say mic technique is more important than a good mic. Oh. Oh, absolutely. I was doing a gig, a solo gig, just a few weeks ago. There was only a handful of people in, in the room. This couple was sitting next to me. Most They stayed for the whole show. And um, at the end, the, the, the chap said, um, he, he's actually a, a professor of music, I can't remember his exact title, in uh, an American university. And he said, I wish I could take you back to my students and to give them a lesson on mic technique. So I was quite, I, I never even thought of that before in my life, but to hear that just off the cuff comment from a, an American professional was like, oh, really? Thank you very much. <laughs> but I am aware of using the mic, you know, going really, go really, really close to the mic, unless you're coming out with something really loud, or, you know what I mean? Then you can back off a bit, but people don't realize that, you know, to get a, a great sound out of a mic, go close up to it, <laughs> you know? Um, it, it just you just get so much more of uh, you know less effort for uh, as well you know you don't have to shout 
to be heard if you're right close to a mic. So I would say, yeah, for sure, get a good mic. But I'll, I would pay more attention to working on mic technique um, more so than getting a, a great mic. You know, I really love that too. And I think that just comes down to like the way you present yourself too. Like you need to be strong at singing too. Like you can't be pitchy and all over the place. Like you need to be rehearsed. You need to be confident to get in front of people. And it's a whole good first impression no matter what aspect of it you're looking at. I just think like because the industry is so competitive and there's so many different avenues and everything, no matter what you're doing, you just want to make the best impression you can. Because if you come off super professional and you show that you're capable and you're skilled and you're confident in yourself, then you'll definitely get more opportunities. Because if somebody sees you play somewhere and you're blown away by your skill and your talent and the way you engage with the audience, then maybe they know someone who can get you another gig somewhere else. So just being mindful of the first impression and always being professional is so, so important. Absolutely. And never never be phased by small numbers at gigs. Never be phased. Still put on your best show. Absolutely. So it was lovely having you on. Before we go, can you share with all the listeners one more piece of advice for how to pay your bills with a music career? Okay, well, another area which I which I branched out into during lockdown again was because I had all this time on my hands. Um, was produced. I started producing for other songwriters. I mean, I've had the home studio here for long enough, um, and it was actually Barbara Cooper. It was actually the lady that that wrote most of the the one hit song. Um, she mentioned she'd said to me early on during lockdown that I should offer my skills as a producer to other um, songwriters and because we're all in lockdown, it was all going to be remotely done. And I think that industry has opened up for, for well, just for everybody in the recording industry, um, you know, remote recording, people having good mics and knowing how to work a door at home um, can, you know, send their vocal stems to a producer anywhere else in the world who can create the backing track for them and mix and master and give them a professional product. So, that was another avenue that's that opened up to me during lockdown, which I'm still doing. I'm not doing as much as I used to do during lockdown because I'm back gigging again. And um, I did think at one point, though, are my gigging days over? Another one of these, you know, I'm sure we all went through various stages of, am I going to do this again? You know, will I have a career change? Is lockdown, is that the end of my gigging career? But once we started opening up again and started gigging again, I, I love gigging more than ever now. So, um, so my production work has kind of fallen back a bit, but it's it's being, like we said before, just being aware of um, other skills you may have that could be useful to to um, fellow songwriters. Um, offering your skills as a as a session singer, you know, if you've got the the, the capabilities to record yourself at home, um, I now work with a few of my um, songwriting um, peers in the songwriting group that are great singers. So I offer their talents to other songwriters that might come to me with demos that need a singer. So again, there's another opportunity that's earning money from for my fellow songwriter singers. Fabulous. That's awesome. Thank you so much for all of that advice and for sharing your journey and so much wisdom on this episode. It was an honor having you. Can you share with the listeners where they can connect with you online and check out all that you do? 
thanks, Demi. It was, it was so lovely to meet you as well. So, and thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I look forward to catching up on some of your, your previous podcasts. I just dipped into a couple today and uh, I really enjoyed them. Oh, so, um, yeah, I, I, there was one that I have to give a shout out to Celine Ellis and Sarah Louise. Yeah. So, country artists. Yeah, I dipped into the, their, their podcast recently. That was that was fun. I think you did a quiz with those those guys. Didn't you? Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah, people can find me on, uh, I think I'll send them to the, the, the production kind of country artist site which is just stevebrownmusic.co.uk. So that's stevebrownmusic.co.uk. And then we can branch off for them, from there on to my other, my other um, projects. Fantastic. It's always great to have a website where everything is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what, uh, there's a link tree that does everything as well. But I think the Steve Brown Music one, is more pertinent to what we've been talking about. So awesome. that's a great place to start. And thank you so much for allowing me to share that. Awesome, awesome. Well, it was lovely having you on. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Steve Brown. And of course, until next time, stay, stay right, right on, on track. track. <laughs>